Today's episode of Tax Season is brought to you by Bevel. Summer is over and it's real close to being the season of the beard. But until then, you might want to keep your face smooth with a Bevel razor. Okay? Be respectful. I wouldn't lie to you. Bevel is going to prevent and reduce the razor bumps you've been trying to hide all summer. Order yours today by going to GetBevel.com and using promo code TAX to get 20% off the first month of your subscription. GetBevel.com promo code tax 20% off the first month of your get bevel subscription start shaving smarter today be safe though shout out to you and brand for supporting tax season make sure y'all go support the you and brand for supporting tax season and not only for supporting tax season they got a decent sneaker you dig what i'm saying fit snug keep your ankle tight you know ewan was a jumper he had to keep them jamaican ankles intact in order for the to keep the game into the um fourth quarter properly for the um for the knicks and things of that nature but we want to thanks to the you and brand and make sure if you want to get you some motherfucking ewan's Make sure you put in promo code TAX15. That's it. TAX15 at um, UNAthletics.com. Be safer, though. Be safe, though. Say hello to the bad guy, tax season. Everybody, I got an announcement. I need you motherfuckers to know this right now. Not now, but right now. I got a live show in D.C., Tuesday, November 15th. The tickets will be going up on Wednesday, 12 p.m. tomorrow, whenever the fuck date that is, because y'all know I do not live my, my, my life by calendars. I do not be knowing what day it be. Nothing. You know what I mean? I only know because niggas tweet me on Twitter on Tuesday and be like, you better have a good show tomorrow. I'd be like, bet tomorrow's Wednesday. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Everybody make sure at 12 p.m. tomorrow you go get your taxis and live tickets in Washington, D.C. That mean all the chicks from Baltimore. I want all the African chicks that went to Howard. You know, I want I want the uh, Eretrians. You know, what I mean, I want I want you all to all come out and hug me together and let me sniff your curly heads. You know, what I mean, and just let me bask in your in your ambiance. You understand? But um, thank you. But um. Yeah, I wanted to say that, and um, shout out to Amber, always on top. I'm I'm looking at her Instagram right now. She got all this baby oil on, and I just want to say I appreciate you and what you do for Instagram. But um, <laughs> <laughs> she said if it ain't do, say she ain't sipping. Yo, we got Shake in the building, man. I was just so surprised, man, after these New York City bombings to have Shake here today, man, you know. <laughs> One of our Middle Eastern brothers, you know, the cameraman of tax season, man, to really have him back in there. I thought all y'all was going to jail after this shit. I thought they was just going to sweep the whole fucking, um, um, what's that, Northern Boulevard? Where y'all at in Queens? Y'all so deep, you know. You got to watch these niggas. I want y'all to know that just because a nigga got good timing in the Uber do not mean he won't blow up 14th Street on Wednesday. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yo, shout out to all my Arabs, man. Man, y'all some good people, man. I still stop sometimes at the truck and get a dirty plate, you know what I mean? Because I'm a New Yorker, you know what I mean? I'm a product of my environment, man. I still got to stop doing and get some lamb and rice, you know what I mean, and get a juice from the next truck, you know what I mean? Like, I was with some girl, and she was like, you eat from trucks? I was like, listen, you you think we ain't eating from a truck? That's your problem. <laughs> We eating from the bottom of a truck. 
So um, stay woke, young narcoleptic sisters. You know, um, <laughs> it's more for all of us out there. You know what I mean? Um, I'm here today with um, Kenneth Montgomery. This is um, this is the second episode we've done. We actually was recording the episode last week. I'm admit what happened. You know what I mean? I, you know, I was embarrassed. It's some embarrassing shit to wake up to the next day and realize what happened. But I was really drunk as a motherfucker. I did the Oskino episode, and I had to drink in order for my brain and my equilibrium to slow up and catch what Oskino was saying. So I just had to drink more and more. So then I did Kenneth Montgomery right after. It was late, too. Yeah, and it was late. And, you know, I wake up very early. So if I drink and it gets to, like, in that that 13, 14-hour mark that I've been up, I crash. (laughs) And that's what the fuck happened. I fucking crashed in this motherfucker. I woke up and was like, yo, I was sleeping. And I'm like, that's all I remember. And I'm like, yo, how long was I sleeping for, yo? <laughs> it was definitely some weekends and Bernie shit. I, I was kind of concerned for a second. But... Weekends and Bernie's. You young niggas not going to understand yeah, was, that one. It was all right. Nah, was shout out to Weekends and Bernie's was a fucking good movie, man. Yeah. I still watch that when that come on, man. Shout out to the white people for that, because we definitely not fucking with y'all this week. <laughs> Once again. <laughs> Once again, I got to say fuck y'all for a weekend. Yo, shout out to my white people. You know what I mean? Doesn't really understand most of the shit that goes on. And I know y'all naive to these, you know, the situations and things that have been put in place for, for, for a long time for us. And I know, man, because I see some of y'all. Y'all be like, I be joking on white people. Y'all be like, yo, I fuck with you. And I'm like, yeah, I do fuck with you, too. But I don't fuck with your grandma. Pops, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know what I mean? Shout out to all y'all. But we got Kenneth Montgomery here. And the reason I actually bought him up um, last week or was the week before was because some similar shit went down. Yeah, we was trying to do it for a while. Yeah, and I'm like, yo, Ken, you know, I got to bring you back in, man. Like, we got to talk. And now we have another black man. That has been gunned down with his hands up. I heard them say hands and surrender, mm-hmm. something of that nature, right? Yeah. And he was tased and then murdered. Yep. No gun, no nothing. Now, before Ken says anything, I want to say this. I don't know, man. We just, we always got our hands up. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I don't know. Like, Will we have better results if we if we, if we reciprocate the energy that's given to us? I truthfully don't know. Well, w- would you want to be known as your last dying moment with your hands up or actually fighting something that you know was wrong? Like, w- if you could prefer it. Yeah, if I could prefer, um, I would like to fight. Like, yeah. I don't want to just be killed for being innocent. And that's what it seemed like has been going on, especially in these open carry states where people getting killed with water guns. And it's like... This is an open carry state mm-hmm. and you get killed and you got a water gun. Well, I I mean, I, I it's difficult for me, Tax. I'll be honest with you. Um, I grew up in New York at a time where you were used to cops assaulting you. But we also grew up in a different time where we we got we mixed it up with them. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm not advocating. I, I think it's reckless to just advocate that without, you know, yeah. just, just nakedly. Um, but we don't know our history. You know, there's a case called Clifford Glover. I want everybody to, from New York to go research Clifford Glover. Mm-hmm. He was a 10-year-old boy who got shot in the back by a Queens cop while he was going to work with his stepfather. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's been hundreds, if not thousands of examples of us being shot and killed by police. And I think the reason being is that this American narrative does not value our lives and the system being shot by the police is just a tip of the iceberg. When you really investigate and dig deep and look at the density of the iceberg, you'll see that the problem is that we exist in a system that encourages and rewards police officers for that behavior. You choke a guy in this videotape, you choke him to death, you get put on death duty, you get promoted and more money. You shoot a young man, you get promoted. And it rewards them. And that's the system that we live in. And we're everybody's like, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. It's like, well, what have you been paying attention to? This is just modern day lynching, you know, in that regard. And this system, white supremacy, you call it for what it is. Look who the largest police fraternal organization endorses. It endorses a dude who's just not a racist towards black people, but Mexican people and Muslim people and all kinds of people, Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Look what happens when the black symbolic president, good friend, Henry Louis Gates gets um, profiled at his nice home. Yeah. What happens? The president comes out and says, Oh, you know, this is ridiculous. He said he starts to go down that road and then he gets smacked around by the fraternal police. And all of a sudden he's sitting in the, Oval Office. If you remember, that was at the top of all these people getting killed. He sits in the in the garden and him and his boy sit and have a beer with the guy who profiled his friend. And the issue goes away. Mm-hmm. And and unfortunately, you know, this has been happening in the in from the t- from every from every century that we've been here, this has been a phenomenon. What you haven't seen is the inverse. Never seen the inverse, and the inverse is you never seen a bunch of black cops kill some Ivy League white kid home on spring break off of Molly or Adderall bugging out. You never see that, and the reason why you never see that because that doesn't fit the white supremacy narrative. We are the violent ones, in according to their narrative. And I, I said that today on Twitter. I was like, "Yo, man, you know." I said sometimes I'd be like, yo, why the fuck are they scared of us? But I say, yo, they done so much shit to us Listen. that they expect us to be mad. The yeah. fuck them, the fucking fucked up shit about is we ain't mad. Listen, like, Listen the, 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 the most violent guy who's been doing all the damage in modern history has been the white guy in the suit mm-hmm. exploring. Um, and we don't cross the street when we see a white guy with a suit on who's making decisions that impact your neighborhood, that impacts what you eat, that impacts your health, impacts your education, your mass incarceration, uh, uh, redlining, you name it. And we don't because that's not the narrative because, you know, everyone thinks that the white male guy is the savior. Let's talk a little bit about your education for those people mm-hmm. that's going to hit me on Twitter and say shit like, well, who the fuck is this black guy just talking <laughs> this shit? And they only validate education with, you know, um, mm-hmm. academic, you know, what I mean, um, 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 academic um, accomplishments, mm-hmm. you know, what I mean, mm-hmm. because it's a lot out there like they just will not like I had the girl on last week and, you know, she was giving her, you know, she doing her um, 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 what you call astrology shit. And, you know, she. 
she had opinions about me that I felt it was correct and opinions that I thought was wrong. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, people was like going in like, yo, who's this ghetto bitch you put on here because she had nice feet or a fat <laughs> ass. And it's like, yo, my nigga, I put on there because I feel like she might speak something that's real. And then secondly, like, I do feel like she said some shit about me that was real, but I feel like she did know some shit either. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. Like, mm-hmm. it, we disagree sometimes. It wasn't unserious, so that's why I want to um get getting the um who exactly Kenneth Montgomery well, is for y'all that well, did listen to the first episode. You know, I'm I'm very humble. Um, I'm still learning, but I'm an attorney. I'm a professor of law at Fordham University School of Law. Um, I, my background: I'm a former prosecutor in Brooklyn District Attorney's Office in the gang unit in the red zone and sex crimes and grand jury and investigations and complaint room, uh, juvenile crimes when I was a, was a, a prosecutor. Um, I did commercial litigation for a little bit. I got out of that when I realized that people lie when more money is on the line than actual criminals. Mm. Um, I've, I'm a federal CJA appointed attorney. Um, I represent people accused of capital punishment and you know, people don't realize there is a death penalty statute, a federal death penalty statute across the land. So I represent individuals who are accused of crimes where they can possibly get the death penalty. Um, federal, state cases, um, you know, you, you name it. Um, and I'm still learning. I'm still reading. You know, I'm, I, there's books, you know, I'm, I'm on Amazon a lot and I'm in the libraries a lot because there's books concerning our history that aren't even published anymore. Mm. And and I, I I feel it's a duty to to find those books so I can read them and then expose the the, the youth that that I mentor and in, in the community and in Brownsville and in our own office of, of these things. I just um I said today early on Twitter I said listen I said did a white teacher teach you your black history. <laughs> You know what I mean? Because sometimes that might have been the, the fact, which mm-hmm. it was for me. Mm-hmm. And I heard a lot of people say, nah, a black teacher taught me or whatever. But in my case, I had a white teacher that taught me black history. But I didn't think about it until I become an, became an adult mm-hmm. and started getting more knowledge on what was going on in the world. And I'm sitting there like, holy shit, who's going to admit to oppressing you? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Nah, that, and and you know what's nah, it's real. And and what's interesting is that there are some white people out there who know our history way more than many of us know our history. Of course. Um, you know those those artifacts aren't in the Smithsonian by mistake. They were taken, and there had to be a history and the tracking of of where they were taken from. And I think, you know, when you look at you know, for me personally, I think education is a part of the socialization process. And the reason why White supremacy has lived for so long. And the reason why we've been in sort of a standstill is because we don't control our socialization process. And a part of the socialization is education. And we don't embrace that. You know, we are, we're afraid to be smart. Um, and, and really, it should be coming from the home and the neighborhood and the community. But unfortunately, it's coming from television and music and social media and other places. Now, if that can spark something, so be it. But if that is the end of your education you have this tabloidal understanding of what you think happened because you googled something or you heard something you know we we up shit's creek you know we just up shit's creek no that's a fact you know the thing is i feel like personally i was 
a lot of people told me today when I said that statement about um, who taught you a white teacher, your black history. A lot of people say, yo, they only taught us Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks. Yeah, they did. And when I thought about it, I was like, holy shit, that's the most correction I've heard. That shit is true. Because that's all we learned. Yeah, that's all we like, learned. Like over, over my growth. And being a man, I've learned small portions of the real black history. And now I've come to a point where I'm starting to piece it all together. And now I'm sitting here and I'm like, holy yeah. shit. And why they so why they teach us that? They taught us that because it goes into that whole Christian religion, nonviolent, be peaceful, be docile. Don't fight. Don't question. Don't have any anger towards what's happening to you because most of our kids they don't know who rat h rat brown is they don't know who um stokely uh is they don't know who fred hampton is they don't know who robert williams is they don't know who john henry clark dr ben or uh, dr amos wilson um chancellor williams dr joyce degru uh francis wells they don't know any of these people mm-hmm. because they the the point this is the thing where you know you get a lot of people debating what the black movement should be. The point is black people in this country are unique because we were set upon. We were set upon and we were used to create capitalism and made this country powerful. And they set upon us, not just here, but globally, but particularly in America, blacks are unique in that we're nomads. We don't have language and we don't have land. When you don't have language, you are not protected. Language is like a shield. You ever been in the city somewhere and some some people you sitting next to start speaking another language <laughs> and you're like, yo, you talking about what the fuck did they just talk about? Yeah. We don't have that. And but that's a shield. You know, that's a shield. And they set upon us and they set upon us for several reasons. And they they was economic, political, social reasons. And when they set upon us, you know, in the laws, in the fiber of this country, in the fiber of the socialization process, they have made it where it's against us. Like this system is against us. It's not just about the cops being able to shoot you. It's about the law supporting the cops who are able to shoot you or the corporations who come into your community and rip your community apart and take everything. Mm-hmm. And we are the enemy of this system. Black people. No other group of people here have been put in that position. And and that's a serious position to be in. Are we the only people that have been kidnapped um, to build a country? To to and, build a country. continuously stay here. To build the country of this degree and empire and wealth, I would say yes. The way we have listen, the Atlantic slate. Listen, this how this is how gangster America is. Mm-hmm. They'll put a black face and window dress you and say, "Hey, niggas, there's no racism. Look at your black president, who's smart and Ivy League educated, mm-hmm. but he's carrying the water for white supremacy." Now, whole lot, nigga. And this is the country. Then, if you look in the history, um, in the Haitian Revolution, shout out to the Haitian people. Mm-hmm. And that revolution, the Haitian people put the world on its ass, particularly Europeans. And what happened? The Europeans were like, yeah, we still don't get money off of this, but hey, we need to rethink this slave trade thing. England and a lot of others. What country said, you know what? Screw that. America said, screw that. 
we're prepared for war. We've been, this is what we do. We go to war. We got the weapons and we're cool with the violence. We'll control them. We're going to turn our slavery up. And they turned it up. And out of that, you know, every white American who's patriotic at every football game need to stand up and sing the Haitian national anthem. Because without that, they don't get the land. Mm-hmm. They don't get New Orleans. They don't get any of that. Um, and, you know, so it's, 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 we're unique, man. We're, our story is still not told. It's very unique. We've been compromised by our own people. We've been compromised by all the tricks and trades of America and ideas of America and the religion and, and all this stuff. Um, and we're still here, but we have to be inspired through our despair to, to move in a different way because we're moving in a very calculated way and they know that. Not to jump off section, off subject, but to jump off subject. Um, Bobby Schmurda. Okay. You, you know, were, you were representing. I was him. representing Bobby. Um, me and Xavier Donaldson, another great attorney in this city, were representing Bobby. Um, one of my uh, colleagues, uh, former colleagues, Javier Solano, was Rowdy's attorney. We were prosecutors together in the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office, a hell of an attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Nigel Farina. Uh, who was the prosecutor on the case. Me and Nigel have a healthy amount of respect for one another from prior cases that I represented, um, mainly uh, the, the Dominican drug drug gangs uh, some years ago. Uh, Hot Boys was one of them. Um, mm-hmm. I know a lot about that case. I know the judges who were involved in that case. Um, I think, I hope what people walk away from is a few things. I hope the community understands that when we see our young cats running around, don't be afraid of them when they're young. Kick it with them. Because when you're kicking it with them, you you may impart some information and knowledge in them that they will take someplace else. Because we we fail them when we give them the green light to just move around without any kind of interaction. Mm. Now, I think that case, and I've always thought of it, and I can I can do two things because I grew up in Brownsville, so I understand. But I also was a prosecutor. And I'm a defense attorney. I can separate and compartmentalize what it is. Ultimately, that case was really tough because they had notoriety and they were black males being accused of violence in the age of gentrification where the developers have gotten together with the mayor's office and the other people and investment bankers, and they are attempting to pull the wealth out of these traditionally um, ravaged and degraded communities. Like when I grew up, I grew up having rock fights in abandoned buildings, mm-hmm. you know, because there was no building. Yeah. You know, our schools, my block was. you know, our schools were old books. Um, drugs, you went to school in the morning, the crackhead or the feet, no, not the crackhead, the heroin addict was leaning. And when you left at two or three o'clock, he was still leaning. He was just <laughs> leaning a little bit lower than you see him in the morning. Um, so these neighborhoods never hit the ground, never hit the ground. And these neighborhoods have been alienated socially, politically, economically, academically, financially. Um, and when you have young kids who are forced to be raised in that neighborhood in that type of environment, you're going to get kids who have misplaced manhood and don't quite get it, but are still beautiful young men, mm. beautiful young women. Um, 
And I think they got caught up in that. But, you know, from an evidentiary standpoint, I looked at that case from very early and every case shouldn't be tried. But what happens is when you don't have the skill set to make a good decision and understand where you're, you're at, you can be impressionable in a jail environment. Jail is wild, man. Like, yeah. you know, you got cats who do jail. So you got jailhouse lawyers, you got all kinds of information, you're a star. So the information, how it's filtered to you, sometimes it can be very difficult and it's hard to manage when you're a young man. And um, I think early on, all of them probably could have gotten less. But I think the the magnitude of what was going on and, and, and what really was happening probably prevented that at some point in time. But I think ultimately they made a good decision, at least this group of guys. The first group of guys, they they blew trial and got an incredible amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, it had life on the back end. But I, I represent people charged with terrorism. Um, I represent contract killers, all kinds of stuff. Um, young kids that age, they they got convicted. But 98 to life, 53 to life, I think is a a a statement to shake the tree. That's what I felt. To say what you little niggas, this is what y'all going to get. Yeah. Cause I know the judge involved. I know what it was. And I knew the evidence in that case. Um, I think ultimately Javier and the other attorneys on that case made the good decision by advising their counsel, their, their clients to plea. The, you know, the new attorney who represented Bobby, he actually was an adversary in a case that I, um, was, a uh, represented, uh, a, a young lady um, who uh, was, uh, you know, she 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 had an issue, and uh, the the lawyer, the defendant in that case was a Sanford Rubenstein. So I know Alex Spiro as well. He's a former Manhattan DA. But you know, the challenges of giving your client the some people think a lawyer should just tell you what you want to hear. That's a bum lawyer. Yeah, your lawyer, and that's a lawyer who just want to get a check. Your lawyer is supposed to give you all the information. So you can make a well-informed decision. And I think they all made a well-informed decision because I think if they would have went to trial, I don't think they had a triable case mm-hmm. in that county with the evidence that they had. And I think it would have turned out very bad. And um, I think with this decision, these young men have the opportunity to reflect and come home and provide for themselves and their families and evolve as human beings. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they're not beyond redemption. And I'm not, you know, listen, you, you do what you do, but, you know, you got to learn in this process that we think we gangster. You know, I spent last weekend with two of my homies who did 44 years together, bodies. <sighs> um, yo, this system is gangster. We not gangster. Because if we was gangster, we'd be knocking these white people upside their head. Mm-hmm. We clearly not gangster, you know. But I think they made the right decision. Yeah, you. I felt the same way. And I didn't even really read too much mm-hmm. of What the fuck just happened? <laughs> now, they made the right decision. Think about it. It's the same way Pop got hit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pardon me, beloveds. My motherfucking mic fell off and it fell off again. 
This is ISIS. I'm making moves, man. They supposed to have a better, better setup than this, man. Yeah, Mike's supposed you know, to be better, man. You no, know, this tax season. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I think I'm getting this shit a little getting tight. Got some a little weak ass. Y'all got some a weak ass fucking turning these mics on. That's why. To be sane, you know, after some shit like that, like. Ain't nobody, man. Listen, Jesus Christ. No, but 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 I I I I will say I I think um, I'm glad those young men made the good right decision. You know, some of them may are doing a lot of time. You know, mm-hmm. some of their people is going to get a lot more than what they got. Um, and I wish them the best. I hope that they they really reevaluate the journey that they they've come into. And uh, really control their narrative because, you know, they, they, they were in a very difficult position that nobody wants to be in. But to be honest, they it's a lot of people in that position. I, I represent uh, one of the young men who was of the hundred and something people snatched up in the Bronx on a federal case. You know, so I'm, I wish them the best. What the fuck is this, man? A video of famous Dex beating his girlfriend up? I don't know who that is. No, these are young. There's so many young rappers out, oh. man. Oh man, yo, you you know you the young rappers, you know, you know I'm a I'm I love old rap, I love '90s rap, you know. I try to identify with the young rappers as much as possible mm-hmm. because I'm in the industry of marketing, marketing music and getting artists popping and shit like that. So I try to pay attention to what they like. But yo, some of you niggas are definitely retarded, like. To even hear some of the shit that y'all say sometimes, like, you know, I don't know if y'all say it for shock value or or whatever it might be, like, you know, hearing um Lil Yachty say certain shit about, you know, Biggie and Tupac and who I'm starting to think at this point that he's just a little bit smarter than the people that's listening. Mm-hmm. So we just feed into it. We like, how could you say that, Lil Yachty? But he just actually know he's going to get a reaction out of people. You know what I mean? So he just, he keeps promoting that type of shit. And that might be his natural feeling, mm-hmm. too. You mm-hmm. can't, listen, some of these motherfuckers was born five years after Juice came out. <laughs> you know what I mean? They was born five years mm-hmm. after Bishop killed Raheem, my nigga. You cannot blame these kids for what they nah. do not know. And we live in the age of the spectacle. The more of a spectacle you are, the more marketable you are. And some people's can't. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's a real fact. That is a fact. I know. So, and, you know, ignorance. Listen, I'm in the courthouse, so I'll go in and say I think some of them believe this shit, to be honest with you. Like, I see, I, I hear a heavy dose of, of ignorant shit on a daily basis, unfortunately. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I can't imagine the shit you hear. Nah, you hear motherfuckers' jail calls. Nah, it's, it's, it's um, you know, if, if I didn't have the community that I have, I would be a different person from hearing all of it. Because mm-hmm. it, it, can, it can mess you up. It's it's um, it's ill. <laughs> like I can't, you know. Yeah, I love when Kenneth Montgomery yeah. go off too. So nah, it's, it's, it's yo. It's <laughs> only if he knew. Yeah. I'd be waiting too. I'd be like, "Where's Kenneth?" <laughs> I'd be trying. Nah, but you know, um, oh man. All right, I guess I did fuck up again. 
with the mic. We have a little mic situation today, y'all, where the mic keeps falling off. This is my fault. He told me don't grab the mic from down here. Grab it from up above, and I'm going to fix it one more time, and then I'll, I'll proceed to do it from the um, top of the mic again. He said just stop. Huh? He said just stop. I fuck my nigga. You know I didn't listen to you. Be like, this is the one nigga that always, you know what I'm saying? I be, I be like, my nigga, I don't understand where I come from, my nigga. I know a different breed of men. These niggas dress up like women. They yeah. wear UPS suits and do yeah. shit. Like, mm-hmm. they still do it. They 50. They, they 48 and shit. They 48 years old. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he he out here doing his, you know, you know I, I always feel bad because he one of the first niggas that came to me wanting me to help him with young man. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yo, I don't know what to do with women artists. It's so yeah, hard. It's difficult. It's so hard. You know what I mean? She and now she popping. I'm she proud of her. She ain't hard to man. I know, right I know he probably saying in the back of his head, like, nigga, I, I told you, nigga, like, help me with my daughter. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm gonna try to keep my hand no, off I, of that. I haven't said yet. All right, bet. Appreciate it. But yeah, we here with Kenneth Montgomery again. We was having some mic issues. The mic kept falling. Samir Karam, he told me, he said, tax, do not touch it from the bottom of the mic. Why I you still say your did name it. Like that, you know, that's <laughs> how they say his name. They always run motherfucker up combat Jack Haitian ass. Samir Karam. <laughs> he always trying to roll it and shit. So now he got me rolling the shit. Shout out to um Reggie Osei, OG Reggie yeah, Osei. Right That's my man. I mean, Combat Jack, the OG, the OG podcaster, one of the forefathers of this hip hop podcasting shit. Let me say that one time for the culture, and also let me say, you know, for the young niggas, you know, you know, I bet you know this podcasting thing is just booming now and i'm proud of everybody that's getting involved into the podcast culture i always tell niggas they be like i'm making a podcast i'm like do it man because you just never know what's gonna stick you know what i mean everything everything ain't gonna stick but some shit is gonna stick so you know see what your niche is and get busy man i ain't mad at nobody making a podcast go make it and just like i said from before you know before elliot wilson and b dot you know came about and they started like making this huge like competition with podcast and shit there's no podcast wars you know why because how is it gonna be podcast wars if you thinking you number one and you're not even number one nigga <laughs> You not number one. We ain't beat the white people out yet. Motherfuckers ain't past Joe Rogan. So how's niggas number one? That's Who are you number one, one against? That's the number one podcast? Joe Rogan? What? Joe Rogan? Damn near all the time. Like him and like Mark Marin and like people like that. Mark Marin had Obama on his show. Oh, so yeah. it's like nobody passes these dudes. You know what I mean? So when you, when you see this shit and they like in different podcasts, it's like saying it's like my nigga like chill out because it's like, yo, we ain't. We, you know, it's like being number one in hip hop and R and B, but you're not number one in the top one hundred. Mm. It seems it's for me. It's like you the the podcasts are like the cool, cool real cousin media. <laughs> you know, what yeah, I'm saying? right. Like, yeah, like, yeah. Like everybody wants to strive to do that, but the the media media in general is very hesitant on how they filter the public with it. Cause it's really a no, we live in the age of numbers. We in a binary system. Like exactly. Numbers. So now it's like, you know, I remember before where like in the beginning, in the beginning, like even though my, my podcast is in comedy, I was focused on hip hop. I'm deep into it. I'm a hip hop fan. Mm-hmm. I speak from a hip hop fan perspective. So 
I was always like, yo, I want to get this, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Th- this artist or that artist, you know, people I'm fans of. Because I ain't going to lie to you. Mad artists asked to be on the show. And I'd be like, no. Because, mm-hmm. my nigga, why would I put you on the show knowing I'm not a fan of you? And then I'm going to ask you mad questions. It's going to get you angry or mad or perhaps. <laughs> or you might not like what I got to say. And then cause mad attention for no reason and it's like I just don't want to interview you I like to interview people I'm a fan of this shit is called tax season I interview things that I'm interested in I don't give a fuck what y'all interested in seriously I need to let y'all know that and this includes tax season fans and people that listen to the show and I don't really like calling people fans like this dude came to me the other day he's like I'm the number one fan I was like my nigga I appreciate it my nigga but I don't I, that word just don't sit right with me I, I'm just not that nigga like I got fans you know what I mean it's just weird to me I don't know it's just weird I'll be a fan first if you love me I love you that's just the type of person I am I'm a reciprocator of energy you know what I mean so I'm you know you don't gotta step to me and try to be on no you know oh I'm, I love you don't know I me mean? if you don't love me you don't gotta say it nigga like I'm not gonna be mad at you <laughs> I swear to God shit though it's the industry shit, yeah, man. Industry. You got to be cute with everybody. You got to compliment. You got to yes shirt. You got to smile. I come in spots. They like tax. You're not smiling. I was like, yo, my nigga, like, well, nobody said nothing funny. I usually smile when people <laughs> say funny shit. Like, besides that, my face is serious. But, you know, I just want to say, you know, in the, in the podcast world, man, shout out to everybody out there. They got a podcast. Um, push the culture forward a podcast and man, talk to say your piece, man. If you, if you get your shit, you, you, if you got a small following or a huge following, man, like somebody's following you, man, speak to the people. I'm not mad at you. I'm not judging you. I'm not sitting here telling you my podcast is better than yours because I do more numbers or anything. You know what I mean? I'm do your motherfucking thing, nigga, because I don't give a fuck what you do. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not that nigga. I'm not that dude to be concerned with who's doing higher, lower, anything around me. As long as I'm doing me, you are safe. The moment I stop doing me, then you got to worry about competition <laughs> motherfucker you understand what I'm saying then you got to be like nah this tax nigga's getting out of hand cause I'ma go hard you know what I mean but I'm I'm subtle my nigga like we we doing us like you know what I mean so I I just wanted to get that that point across with the whole podcasting world that you don't have to worry about dudes especially black podcasters you know what I mean cause we are not number one yeah so shut the fuck up and chill out and you know another thing when people especially black podcasters when they say you know number one or, or anything with podcasting i'm like how could you not say kid fury and crystal kid fury and crystal the read is the podcast of the black people they run podcasting for black people you know what i mean so when i see people skip over that that's an issue also but anyway back to kenneth montgomery um we've had two individuals killed in what 48 hours mm-hmm. um black men unarmed that you know about that that holy shit that we know about you know and that's going back to something else that I was talking about with statistics today and a young lady was trying to give me statistics on how crime dropped when abortion clinics was put into the community and shit like that and I said guess what that might be true that crime dropped but guess what guess what also dropped black motherfuckers being born yeah I'm, you understand what I'm saying some real like- so. You know, me, I was not trying to say that I'm not an advocate for abortions. Mm-hmm. I've paid for women's abortions. You understand <laughs> what I'm saying? What I'm saying is that we need to just stop it. Fuck it. I'm pro-choice, but I, I definitely, and it's funny because, it, you know, somebody on your, your line, your, your Twitter line is today I had a conversation with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people think 
social media is to debate. Like, I'm not out there trying to debate nobody. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not there trying to get my numbers up or followers or likes or none of that shit. Um, you have your truth and I have my truth. Now we can have an intelligent conversation about it. But when do you ever have a conversation with somebody and you convince them of something they don't, they didn't, they wasn't convinced mm-hmm. of before? You know, so what is really, this shit is really like a narcissistic environment for people to just say stuff. But I know Planned Parenthood, there is ample information and research on one of the, 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 the matriarchs of Planned Parenthood, Margaret Singer, mm-hmm. who practiced eugenics um, or was a believer in eugenics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when people when people tell me, well, this was in a a, a, a a accepted science at some point, I have to pull back because <laughs> now, you know, what are you talking Holy about? Shit. You know, like really like what are we talking about here? Do you really understand what eugenics means mm-hmm. and, and what we're talking about? And, and 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 it made me realize that everybody ain't worth having a disagreement with or argument with. Mm-hmm. Like some people are where they at. But I know Planned Parenthood is is definitely um, there were people very interested in uh, like they're interested in Africa right now about the amount of children we're having. And, you know, what I what I tell people all the time, like our lives, man, have been commodified. You know, our poverty is a billion dollar industry Mm. that we just don't take part in, you know, from social workers to health plans to cops to mass incarceration, to education, to clothes, like you name it, our poverty is a billion-dollar industry. We just are the variables in it. We're not the people engineering it. So I'm very mm. suspect of anybody who wants to come to a group of people who they don't know anything about and say, y'all should do this. Yeah. <laughs> y'all exactly. should feel like this. And that's been our experience here. We'd like to thank Bevel for continuing to support the Tax Season podcast, always showing love to those with the rough faces and trying to give back to the smooth-faced community. You know, we love what Bevel does. Everybody has been praising the product. Everybody's been loving it across the board. Everybody talks about it. Nas gets his signature fade with the Bevel blade, and Lord knows this nigga fade been crispy for about 67 years or something, but... um. Bevel is dermatologist approved and proven to reduce and prevent razor bumps, discoloration, and irritation. There's a reason that 9 out of 10 customers come back month after month to Bevel. Up to 80% of black men and women experience razor bumps. Up to 30% of all men and women experience razor bumps. Everybody's hair and skin is different and requires different methods of care. But Bevel has a system that works for almost everyone. You don't have to suffer anymore when the Bevel shaving system can give your skin the relief you've been looking for. Pick up your bevel today by going to getbevel.com use code tax at checkout to save 20% on your first month of bevel that's G-E-T-B-E-V-E-L dot com promo code tax T-A-X start shaving smarter today get bevel 
you in athletics always has a sturdy sneaker always has a stylish sneaker we want to thank you and athletics for holding us down all the time and for giving us these sneakers we're going to be doing a um a big giveaway soon so make sure y'all stay in tune attack the taxis and pod page where we give these you ones out because i've been seeing y'all been jacking them and y'all been liking them a lot but um you want to get 15 percent off of your you and sneaker make sure you put tax 15 and the promo code box at unathletics.com. That's tax 15. I got to remember 15 because I might say 20 and then y'all hit me back like it was only 15. So it's tax 15 in the promo code box at unathletics.com and make sure you get 15% off your UN Athletics. Be safe though. They got flavors. You know, it's, it's, it's taking me so long to realize a lot of this shit. So sitting here now is um a 30, 31 year old man and like really gaining knowledge of all this shit. And I'm sitting here like, like a, a newborn baby didn't learn how to talk. It's mm-hmm. like, holy shit. Like you don't even realize how deep this shit runs. And you know what? It ain't that deep. Mm-hmm. It's just that, you know, over the course of time, mm-hmm. they've, the they've act like it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So the things that they, they, they made us believe we was free. They made us believe it was equal. <laughs> we could get the same jobs. Mm-hmm. So we believed all this shit, not realizing what was going on on the back end. Cause we bought into it. Like we, you know, listen, you get your, you get your homie in the hood who, who grew up with, in despair, figured a, a way out. He hustled. He get money. He, he's become hood status like getting money where everybody knows him yo that guy's frustrated you get the sister who decided to get money maybe selling her body maybe hustling maybe scamming she has money she's frustrated you get the politician black guy who talks like this and walks this way and you know enter those crowds and you know he's getting invited to these certain events He's frustrated. You go your top notch artist exec. They're frustrated and they're all frustrated because they still live in white supremacy and they still don't call their shots. And they're still in the system that they're they have to be validated to feel like they've made it. Mm. And we've never made our own value system. We're too busy ducking and, and getting shot with our hands up and, and, and you know, having them educate us and, and buying their goods. So yesterday, um, in Tulsa, mm-hmm. a gentleman was was killed. Hands evidently hands up. up. They said from the helicopter, he he looks like, like a bad, bad guy. Holy <laughs> shit. shit! Yeah, that's and that and you hit it right. Like it's in our face, tax. Like, yeah, that's, I think people missed that point. They kept talking about the shooting. Yeah. I said, "Fuck the shooting." Yeah, fuck. The shooting, yeah. fuck the person who shot the gun. They kept talking about the shooting. I said, did you hear the nigga in the helicopter? Yo, listen, listen, Judge Shinlin with the uh, stop and frisk. Judge mm-hmm. Shinlin was a federal judge in Southern District who was a very smart lady who was the judge who determined that, listen, this you guys are using race to stop people. No. What did this system do? This is a white female who's highly educated, a federal judge, very powerful. The mayor, billion dollar mayor and the officer, a police commissioner at the time, Ray Kelly, set on a campaign and tried to ostracize this woman. I think they even might have given her home address out 
<laughs> they took like they did. They just went on a campaign to discredit her and ostracize her. Like, no, this is what we do. Mm-hmm. And that's how deep this system is. Like you, you can't legislate the heart. We're trying to legislate the heart. You know, we thought the civil rights movement was the way to go. And look where it's got us. We, we, we walked the longest line, but it's been the biggest damn circle we've ever been mm. in. And you can't legislate that heart. And we're refusing to do what we need to do. And that is close the doors from the outside world. Stop putting our pain on, on the front page and go behind them closed doors and have those difficult conversations and reflection process and discourse and come up with an action and a game plan, a strategy to preserve our lives. Because the unfortunate matter is we have not been able to maintain, survive and evolve amongst a predator oppressor like we're all animals, white Supremacy has proven that at a certain point in history, Europeans have are predatory and we haven't been able to figure out how to live amongst predator people. Only a predator will sit and say, hey, from thousands of feet away, say, yeah, this guy, he looks like a bad guy. Yo, he had his hands up. No, you say what you really mean. Yo, this this motherfucker's black. And he's a nigga. And we know niggas is dangerous. He out here by himself on the highway. Period. What is he doing? He got to be up to something. And that's what that shit was about. And we don't want to address that. shit. Motherfucker said he looks like a bad guy. I know bad guys. That was the worst part of the video to me. It wasn't even the shooting. Mm -hmm. The shooting. I'm like, these niggas been shooting us. The nigga from the helicopter seen him. And said he looked like a bad guy. Yeah. So he felt the same way that the chick on the ground felt. Yeah. yeah. And then what happened? I don't know if she's the, the female who fired, but when her, her, she sounds distressed mm-hmm. in her 911 call. Why? You know what they do in From New York? feet away. You know what they do in New York when a cop fires his gun, right? He could Swiss cheese Amadou Diallo. Oh, up. they kill you. you know, nah, but you know what they do, the police do? They go to the police, they go to the hospital. For tendonitis in their ears, they create a record of you know, these these guys. They were they were. Are you okay, something. man? You okay? Yeah. Like I work. I'm I'm the attorney for. No, I know because I've been arrested. Like I'll never forget a cop arrested me one day, and I forgot, man. I've been. Yeah, listen, I've dealt with a lot of dirty cops, so I know it is some, and I know it's clean cops also. But I've been I've been around some dirty cops mm-hmm. and. The cop said something to me. I don't remember because I've been through so much with them niggas. And he said some shit. And he basically gave me an ultimatum. And I was like, I said, what? I said, suck my dick. I ain't doing shit. <laughs> and and from suck my dick, all it turned into was stop resisting. Yeah. At the loudest, he could scream that shit. And I was getting my ass whooped. Now, they had my other homeboys at the car, but he had me at the gate, like against my face against the gate. He was pushing me. And all he screamed was, stop resisting. And then I woke up in the precinct. Yeah, listen, I, I, <laughs> I represent the family of Kamani Gray, who was shot and killed in Flatbush. Mm. Um, I represent... Uh, I represented a young man named Gabriel Diaz who was beaten up at a at a Pete Rock Smith and Wesson concert right at um, Tammany Hall in Lower mm. East Side. These cops beat him to a pulp with staples in his head simply because he said, why are you pushing me? And these officers, some Hispanic involved, they all locked arms and they came with their lies and their stories because mm. I also do civil rights cases. And we are the the uh 
the, the enemy to them. And they treat us as such. And we haven't changed our what's going to happen. You're going to get some preachers who poke their mouth out and go get a sign. You're going to get some protesters who go march on their oppressor's street. And the oppressor going to say, yo, Mark, turn that way, turn that way. If you mm-hmm. don't, you get on the street, we're going to lock you up. Yep. <laughs> They're going to go to jail. They're going to get out. Uh, a lawyer, a slimy lawyer is going to come along and say, hey, that's big bucks. And somebody's going to sue and somebody's going to get some money and some going to be some black family on television or a Hispanic family on television crying about their loss. And then this shit is going to happen again. Yeah. And that's what's been happening. And shout out to all the Puerto Ricans who join NYPD and oh, become man. Italian. Oh, nah, don't shout them out. <laughs> I got to shout y'all out. Y'all, well, shout I'm so out, proud yeah. of y'all. <laughs> y'all, y'all, y'all don't even cease to amaze. I made this discovery years ago when I realized a whole bunch of Hispanic um, people would become a NYPD and started thinking they was white and <laughs> adding more gel to their hair and stuff like that. And it just it hasn't slowed down. Yeah. Not one bit. Listen, it's it's. The police in this country have always taken a paramilitary stance against black people. And it starts from the slave militias. It started from when slavery supposedly ended uh, and Jim Crow and de facto segregation. We've always been in the, in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. We've always been to this day put in that paramilitary position where it was them and it was us. And mm-hmm. they and they know that. They have more technology now. They have more resources. They have more federal funding and they don't care. And they're not looking to reform. They're not looking to tase you. Mm-hmm. They're not doing any of that. They're fine with how they're reacting. And, and also they bring they bring your Mexican asses over here, right? Mexicans, whoever the fuck you want to be. When I say Mexicans now, that's just I just mean like all Hispanics that live in the United States <laughs> and shit. So, you know, some of them might take it offensive or whatever, fuck you, but, you know, you get what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is this, what I've realized over the course of my life and watching the police force and watching minorities to join the police force is that, especially with the Hispanics, they make y'all believe so much that y'all are given a gift for being here that y'all start to look at us like we not y'all or, you know what I mean? And it's like you, us, they used you against us because they let you, they let your parent come in. Right. And he might, your parent might not even be legal, but you legal. Cause you had, they had you here. You know what I mean? So now you're a legal kid. You're legal in, in here. You was born in the United States hospital or whatever it might be. And then you get this job and then your parents are pushing you like, make sure you get this job. Mm-hmm. We need you to do good for the family to send back to Mexico or El Salvador, or Honduras or Nicaragua or wherever you're from, whatever third world country you might be from. And then you happy and let's go for the other black dudes too. This the Caribbean's and take your job far too serious and then die. But, um, my thing is this. What y'all got to understand is that nigga, you me. And this is for the niggas too. Nigga, you them, mm-hmm. you them too. The only thing, the only difference between us and Mexicans is that they could get deported and we can't. And, and you know, also, <laughs> you know, look how many black Hispanics are out in, in, in America as well. But how many Hispanic people share the same alienation that we do as black people? And that's, and that's where we need to understand and have those conversations and those true alliances, because there needs to be practical solutions the government is not going to create the, the fish rots from the head and they have their I, their job is to maintain the status quo and police and military are two, two very important 
means to towards that end. At the end of the day, we need practical solutions like our own neighborhood police. Because mm-hmm. when you bring a neighborhood police, you create a fiber back into the community where it becomes pulsating again, where you know the kids who are on the margins, where they need this. And you know the kids who who um, are just good kids, but they just need to make better decisions. And those cops see y'all out there. The problem is in our communities, it's like a barren land. Like these cops come from wherever they come. They don't see any community grabbing and, 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 and making them uh, accountable for their movements and their actions. Because then, let me tell you, you go to Diker Heights and you bust some Italian kid upside his head. Uh, uh, I forget the uh, Irish community up in the Bronx. You bust an Irish kid upside the head. Yo, you're going to have a problem. <laughs> the, the, the local the local congressman, the local lieutenant, whoever's the borough commander, he's going to get a phone call. Mm-hmm. City Hall is going to get involved. It's going to be a problem. They don't see that. They see our community as, as fragmented, particularly in the age of, of gentrification. And we have to start creating some viable solutions. And I think simple stuff like a neighborhood police, I think mentoring programs, tutoring, all that stuff, I think adds to changing the socialization process. I think education. Education, absolutely. Educating our kids on who we are from the From the the gate. gate. From the gate, I think, will create the strength and what we need to be as a race and as people from the gate. Like, because... Just like you say, you go to school and you only learn about Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King, like great people. But it's like that's not the the what it really was. There no. were people that created movements that were stronger than that. You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. And they give us those little things from the civil rights movement. And they and don't it, they don't want you to know, like people think and, and white people think this a lot. And a lot of black people think this a lot. They don't understand the rich, rebellious history we've had from David Walker to uh you know all these black abolitionists who were like yo we're not having it and we've been fighting this for a very long time it's just we've been fighting in a in a way where we haven't had a working ideology but you hit it on the head education is key mm-hmm. period and until we start educating ourselves and coming up with these practical we want we want america america i said is like the, imagine if your mom's was so raped. We, we need. We let's start. Let's start a look, what black daycare. Listen. What if your mom? Imagine your mom was raped mm-hmm. by a dude, <clears throat> and you was born, and that dude who raped your mom say, "Yo, I'm your father. Respect me, man. Mm-hmm. Y'all yeah, raped your mom and all that, but yo, get all get over that and get whatnot." Over it. And that's really I've been our relationship. And like you said, it has to start the socialization process. All those teachers, you know, we work with Nadia Lopez, who put out a great book about teaching in Brownsville um, recently. Um, All these teachers, you teachers, you know what? Get up with the parents in the community and the other professionals in the community and come up with a mentoring and tutoring program where, you know what? The kids ain't going to the Board of Ed after school program no more. They all coming back to the hood no matter the age, and they're getting the real information because the deal with the, you know, the school basically indoctrinates your kid to be well-behaved and that's it. They don't care about what's really going on in your head. Mm-hmm. And you already hit it. Like, you know, the, the retired police officers who know the racism that exists in the department get up with the concerned parents in the neighborhood and come up with a neighborhood watch. Mm-hmm. That's why I always say, like, you know, we, we own a lot of black daycares. Yeah. Which is the first step 
of education, mm-hmm. this is where the teaching should go down at. Absolutely. From the day kids in yeah. order for us to understand who we are. Because when you understand who you are from then, nobody could teach you anything else. Exactly. Nobody. It's <laughs> nothing that you can really tell. And this is where the ignorance grows at. Mm-hmm. And it's because we don't know who we are. We teach our kids the same thing. We tell them like, yo, go in the house. Go watch yeah. MTV. Yep. And we, we don't, we need VH1 raise you. We need to nationalize our socialization process, our culture, our education. We need to commandeer that. We understand, listen, America already looked at black nationalism as a threat. That don't mean we have to take it as a threat. Mm-hmm. We need to really understand what that means because they'll, they'll distract you and say, well, that's racist. Nobody's talking to you. We don't need to explain to you what black nationalism means to us. But you know what? We over here with it. And when you see, you see, if you grab that kid, you're going to have problems. You know what I'm saying? We need to create a process where our kids are safe because our kids are not safe. They don't believe us no more. Our kids don't have a childhood. You know, black men, my son is 13, but I know for a fact cops look at my son like, yo, come here, kid, come here. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's a, he doesn't have that youth. You know, America robs the youth of our uh, of our children and they don't get an opportunity to mature into something because America has already created the narrative in which they think you belong. And our community as parents, we don't address that and we got to address that. It's nothing. If you're waiting for Obama or the next clown who's getting in office to do anything, then you are part of the problem. Mm. You're part of the problem. We got the data. Education. Education is, is, is key. key. Absolutely. Teach the kids from the seed to the root. Yep. And the root to the seed. And Yo, Hubert Harrison, John Clark. There's so many people. Louis, um, um, Fanny, uh, Fanny Hamer. You know, I'm mm-hmm. just, there's so many people, man. Like, it's so many people. Um, and, and we don't, our kids don't even know our history, man. That's why, yo, listen, th- that's why, yo, that's why you're so sought after. Because the rap, the rap genre is what's educating our children. They're looking mm-hmm. at these old washed up millionaire burnouts doing silly shit for likes and remain relevant um, and showing you their girls and what they got and telling you, yo, you don't need to be educated. You could get all the best looking girls in the world. You know, all you got to do is act stupid and look stupid and play the fool. You know, mm-hmm. people don't realize the fool is an old European. The fool has always been a commodity in, in capitalism. And, you know, our kids are being educated by this. And, and it's unfortunate. Um, we have to have a, 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 a agenda and an ideology to offset that. And we don't have it yet. So this, this gun, sh- gun play is going to keep, it's the tip of the iceberg. It's much bigger now. It's going to keep happening. Let's get to, um, I don't know if I, did I even finish telling y'all motherfuckers that me and Kenneth was recording two oh, yeah. weeks ago. You started to and I was so drunk from doing Oskino episode that I fell asleep. But you know, that's pretty funny, nigga. Anybody that know me, this is the only thing. Because when people first meet me and I do that, they'd be like, "Yo, what the fuck? You went out of you went to sleep out of nowhere." <laughs> Anybody that knows me knows me for that. They know that because I wake up so early. I wake up five, six o'clock in the morning. So by time it be club times when my niggas want to go out, I'm out. I'm out. And Everybody getting dressed, I'm asleep. They be like, take that nigga home. He's knocked out. And we used to talk about some real shit, too. You Yo. said some incredibly 
insightful shit about the young kids in Brownsville. Uh huh. Then you was out, my dude, nigga. I, I don't Burns. know what happened. I was like, oh shit. I don't know what happened. I know I was sitting there like, Jesus Christ, I done fell asleep. But it was late, man. In front of a, a black elite. Yeah, it was late. You know what I mean? yeah, it was cool. But um, but yeah, we had with, with Kenneth Montgomery, Esquire. You know what I mean? AKA player from the Himalaya. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, the reason I always seek out, you know, um, Kenneth Montgomery for insight is because he's educated and he's well educated in, in black history. And I'm a person that's looking for more history within black history. I don't never mind learning. So, you know, uh, you know, a lot of times females come at me on my timeline when I'm discussing things and they try to they they might give me some game or might not. You know, I had a female today that was just not giving me no game. And it was like, yo, you have to chill out, Nubian. Like she you know, I said something about abortion and she went left on her. Like I'm not saying I I've paid for abortions. Like I've you know what I mean you I feel can't, bad after? No. 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 But, but now understanding like who we are as black people and understanding who we are as a race in this country, I take everything seriously. Mm -hmm. So now, now it's like at the point where it's like, I can't have abortion. You know what I mean? I'm just not, I'm not here to, to kill none of my kids that might save this fucking planet. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, we your kid might no, save the we planet. We need as many good people as we can for yeah. this fight. Nah, I said it in that, in that verse, man. He said, he said, he said something about black women. We got to stop having abortions. We need soldiers. Yeah. Like, you know, and it's serious. You know what I mean? And it's, you know, y'all make the final decision. There's no man who could tell you, you know, get an abortion or whatever the hell might be. And then I had a young lady that was basically saying, you know, you don't want to have a kid in poverty. And I say, oh, listen, man, I don't know what you think is going on around the world, but yes. we like the only people that's like not really in poverty <laughs> yeah, around this yeah, bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, people we, having kids in poverty, and they we just don't stay there. We fronting too. Yeah, we so front. A lot of us in poverty. No, we no. Just we in poverty. poverty line. We just not in a shack with yeah. a bathroom outside. Like, yeah, you know no, what I mean? We right. definitely in. The, we we definitely below the poverty level. Absolutely, without a doubt. I know I am. I don't know about the rest of you, rich. You know, I traveled to Colombia this year, Thailand. It, it's it's you know, capitalism is a global thing, mm -hmm. and and yeah, most are fronting. You know, in America, most are fronting. You can go right up town somewhere. You can go in Brooklyn somewhere, Newark, and people are living like in the, in the third world country. Let's get into the prison system, man, because, mm -hmm. you know, that's something that I've been like studying um, um, as of recently, the last couple months and just mm -hmm. really getting into how the prison system was constructed after slavery. It, 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 um, I think that, the you know, when... First of all, Lincoln didn't free the slaves. Anybody who thinks Lincoln freed the slaves, you need to go read The Half That's Never Been Told and a series of books by a lot of great black writers um, um, who address that. He didn't free the slaves. It was an economic decision that was made uh, between the North and the South. People think, oh, the South was this brutal place. The North was pretty damn brutal, too. They just they just took their money and um, invested it, their slave money in the different markets, you know, mm -hmm. Um I think what happened in this country was, you know, there was a fear. You know, this country is run on fear. Um, white people are put in fearful positions. We're, of course, put in fearful positions. And when you had all these so-called so -called black people um, who now were going to possibly take jobs from white people, going to take your women and rape your women and do all these things that they perceived us to be out of fear to keep us in a certain place, you had these vagrancy laws 
and all these other things that came about during Jim Crow in which it it went back into creating these jails. You know, they had nowhere else for us to go. So what? You know what? Let's get the free labor. It's always been about free labor. Free labor. You know, it's free labor. You know, you know, people. Always... How they going to have their kids build something after they've been having us build shit mm-hmm. for so long? They don't know how to build shit. You know, think about the slaves who came here. They weren't slaves. They were people who could carpenters, engineers, scientists, doctors, whatever. Um, we, they had all these types of skills. Um, and when 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 so-called slavery ended, so-called. Um, they had to have some place to put us, and the jails was the best place that could put us. Mm. And these chain gangs and these things, and to this day, you know, you have prisons that are privatized, where you got dudes in jail making clothes, furniture, all kinds of stuff. And that's not going to stop. You know, mm. this is, you know, America is about power, and that power is based on the ability to make money. And that's not going to stop anytime soon. I think there's some sort of movement to reform it. Because I think conservatives and you got people like Koch brothers and all these focus groups and all these different people who are realizing what they've done. You know, there's 2.4 or 5 million people in jail mm. in America. And for a civilized nation with the most money and the most resources to have those kind of numbers, it's clear what it's about. It's a money-making process. Mm. You know, when I was a DA, you know, somebody get locked up, they go through the lap system. The officer may want overtime. They'll have your paperwork ready, but that shit won't get to the DA for about eight, ten hours because somebody got to eat. You know, these people send their kids to school, all kinds of stuff off of your 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 predicament. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think the prison system is they they talk all the good stuff. You saw Obama on Vice. You saw a very smart judge who's no longer on the bench, uh, Judge Gleason, who talked about the problems in, of mass incarceration. But it's all lip service tax because when you go down to D.C. and look at the people who create these sentences and on, who sit on the sentencing commission, they don't look like us. Mm. I think I may me and you have talked about that before. Like they have an agenda. You know, even the liberal ones have an agenda. So for us to impact the prison system, it goes back to education, because if our kids are educated enough, they won't enter it. Mm-hmm. But we don't have enough education to avoid entering it because we are the we, we are the pieces for, it, you know, and, and it's not changing, bro. Like it's not it's not changing. This is what America is about. This law, the rule of law is about so that white people stay here and the rest of us stay there. And the legal system is one of the ways in which you maintain the status quo, just like the education system is, just like the financial system is, just like the real estate market is. And that is one thing that's not going to change. But we can change that through our own um, thinking and, and, and different positions we take. Damn. You know, like if you, you know, that that's that's just a fact, man. Look how many dudes you know been in jail. How many cats you know been in jail? I don't know. I don't know how many cats been in jail. You gotta. It's much easier probably to come up with the people who haven't been. You know, it's is that is that much of a part of our manhood and our growth process in this country? You know, dudes think that's where it's at, and that's not where it's at. It's not. You know. Damn. It. it you know. It. it I've never. You know. I've been to jails. You know. Listen. You go to Rikers, man. The red light, you go to ARDC and this red light is flashing. You can't even go get in to see your client because these dudes is just going at it. 
You go to MCC, you can't get in yet. And, and, um, you know, the jail, the jail system is, is a horrible system. It's a horrible setup. Shit is crap. My fucking phone keep cutting off and cutting on. Fucking Apple, son. I should have just got the seven the other day. Nah, don't get it yet. You gotta wait. Gotta wait, right? Gotta wait it out a little bit. Kinks out. I said that shit. God damn. But yeah, we here with Kenneth Montgomery, of course. Tax season. Um, we just had we just had a nah, man, yo. That fucking video, man. The hands up. Yeah, that shit was like. And you know it's like it's, it's happened so many times. Is it worse than the dude running and getting shot in the back, Walter Scott? <laughs> You know or, what I mean? Or Rodney King getting his beat. Yeah, I, that's what I had to think about today. Out. I was like, yo, like, you know, as bad as this is, is it was not was it not as bad as everything else? A homeboy in the car with his girl mm-hmm. gets blasted. He's a great uh administrator at the school. Like, you know, yep. there's so many, man. Like a homeboy from pink houses just was running down the steps. steps. Kai Gurley. I, I spoke to the yep. family in that case. Kai Gurley come down and just then get shot and and you know I don't I don't really like to say this shit too much, but you know out of every case that has happened, me personally I always felt like that cop didn't mm-hmm. mean it. Yeah, yeah, no, nah, I think I think you on the scale, I mean? look, you gotta have a scale. On the scale, that yeah. was I was on the lower end of the scale. Yeah, you know, um, but you and know, it's unfortunate he lost his yeah, life. But he, but you know, the, what showed you how the system work is, you know. Regardless, they were able to uh, make, get a conviction, but the system um, gave gave the cop a break, you know, oh, which is very rare. Wiggins, huh? The fuck? Yo, shake niggas out there. Tell my uh, um, fucking um, assistant to charge it on her phone because I was trying to get a fucking Uber for somebody. And the shit is like, it's coming on, and it's on 23%, but it's just cutting right back off. Yeah, so Kai Gurley, that shit, like, I, it was like, when I when I first heard it, I was like, damn, me me knowing what Pink House's staircase like, and them staircases like that in East New York, and knowing mm-hmm. it, I was like, man, that dude probably was just straight up fucking scared, heard some feet in the steps. But this is a part of the problem with not policing our own communities and understanding them or knowing them. Absolutely. When you have people from a different demographic and people from a different walk of life policing something that they don't understand and they don't understand the culture or how people move or how or they don't think we human yeah that's, <laughs> like, yo, yeah. that's really what it is. they don't think we human yeah yeah they don't know? do that shit in their neighborhood it's, it's, they don't think we human and, yeah and, and we gotta we gotta make them but that's a part of the perception that's been created yes absolutely that's the narrative that's a part of the perception that's but still the system completely. gave that guy a break though you know what I'm saying? The a cop. Break? Shit, yeah. that was beyond a break. Didn't yes. he get convicted? For he it? got convicted and, and then, then did nothing. Then did the 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 prosecution office suggested that he should do no jail time? And he knew that was happening before that happened. Listen, and I know, I know, I know. Them. You know, I'm, I'm I'm in the fiber of the legal community. You know, I'm a former Brook, Brooklyn DA. Um, that was rare. That mm. was rare, man. And and um, you know. Look at the kid, Tamir Rice. Yeah. Look at um, you Tamir know Tamir Rice. You look at Eleanor Bumpers. I don't know many people remember Eleanor Bumpers, an old lady in New York who got her thumb blew off back in the eighties. Michael Stewart, 
um the the diallo case like it's so many man and that's just talking about new york we're yeah. not talking about yeah we're not talking Compton about across the country or yeah. arkansas imagine being a black person in a small town and county where they don't take statistics like that and things happen and that's it where those stories at yeah where those stories oklahoma oklahoma Places like that. Uh, uh, Monroeville, Alabama somewhere. You know, North Dakota somewhere. Like, yeah, where are those stories at? We just see it because of this social media age that we live in. But it's been happening, man. This is nothing new. Our response is the same. That's nothing new. The system reacts the same. That's nothing new. Something has to change. What the fuck? I thought niggas popped on me. Jesus Christ. The fucking mic popped off again, my nigga. I thought it was lit in the studio. Oh, my God. Nigga. I thought niggas creeped up on me. I was like, how they did this? Shake was right there. Uh, the shake was there. <laughs> the shake. <laughs> he tried. He tried to tape this shit. That shit just jumped off. I'm about to this we can keep going. Now, fuck. I, don't, don't even fix this shit, nigga. Right? Nigga said, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, it just, it's, it's just, it's a scary, you know, I'm not scared, you know. I'm just not at that point in my life where I'm scared of shit. You, you shouldn't know what I mean? be. And especially understanding, understanding certain things. We all got to die someday. But what I do want people to understand before before you die is that, Stand for something and help, help, um, help feed the, the, the generation before you help, help them grow, educate them and let them know things. So we don't have to continuously go through this for generations and if, generations. If we ain't doing that, then we ain't on our job, man. Somebody's off their job. Yeah, seriously. Like we got to teach the kids. And that's why the education aspect that we spoke of, I think about it. And I'm like, yo, we have a lot of black daycares without mm-hmm. a doubt. That's the point where we need to teach the kids. We have to plant those seeds in their head immediately. So upon life, as they deal with experience, they grow and they realize everything they learned was true. No, because right. it ain't like none of this shit is false. No, it's not. As you grow, if you taught the right things, you'll learn is true. What happens is that a lot of people are taught different ways. And then they, they experience certain things and they're shocked. And they're like, this is wrong. This isn't supposed to be right. No, that's because they, 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 they taught you that. Yeah, nigga. Yeah, and, and and they, they, we're cultivated and we cultivate our children to fantasize. And when mm-hmm. you fantasize, you distort reality. And what you end up doing is you're not realistic about what you're really going through. And you end up retarding your growth, mm. your emotional, your intellectual growth, your ability to make good decisions. And that's because we stuck in fantasy. I remember when the Central Park Five movie came out, um, I had I used to take my sons and him as his classmates to just I would just take them out. And um, I wanted to take them to the Central Park movie. They were in third grade. But many of their parents was like, nah, that's too much. That's too heavy. Mm-hmm. What do you mean it's too heavy? Like, you know, you have to teach them so that they're inspired by the difficulties. And it's like, I, I think our kids, we want to live in a fantasy-based world. It's all fantasy and, mm-hmm. until the shit is on your door. How do you feel about the policies that Barack Obama has made? Um, I think Barack Obama, when history is done, he's going to be one of the best um, presidents to carry the the uh, policies of the empire and, and, and the water for white supremacy. 
He's going to show for all those black excellent people who love him and the fact that a black person can drop a drone and kill city, American citizens and a black person can protect Wall Street and a black that, that help, you know, set upon our communities, the, the Baltimore's and the Compton's and the Newark's. And he's going to go down as a, as a black guy who can carry the white man's water. Um, mm. That's what I think. Um, you know, he talks uh, progressive. But when you put him on the uh, the line, um, he's more, uh, you know, he's more conservative than anything else. You know, and um, I, I think he's window dressed. And I think the the people who were getting shot in Chicago before he got in office, the people who were starving in Newark before he got in office, the bad schools, the mass incarceration, all the bad things that were happening then are happening as he leave office. So bring in the next leader of the American empire. You niggas got your black president. This post-racial. Yeah, here you it go. It means nothing to me. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel about Hillary Beautiful Trump? family, though. Um, uh, I, <laughs> I, think, um, I think America should get exactly what it deserves. And I think that would be Trump because to me, people say, oh, this is appalling. I think the reason why it's what's appalling is that Trump is even the Republican candidate. But I think it shows you it's not just ignorant white people who are supporting this man. Yeah, They're my colleagues in court. They're guys who you kick it with in the music industry. It's like, yeah, that Trump guy's an asshole. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to go to the poll booth and they're going to yeah. vote their conscience. And, uh, you know, he's going to get in there. I think he shows that you don't have to be smart. I think he's um, an embodiment that America is the dream because you can be an educated white dummy and be successful here. Mm. Um, I think Hillary is, you know, Obama kept the status quo going and he did his job. And I think Hillary is much of the same. You know, we forget Hillary was supposed to be president before, but mm. she she um, she got arrogant um, and she didn't understand the dynamics of culture and technology and social media and she got her butt kicked um but i think she's going to continue the status quo she's an she's an operative in washington she's an operative in the, of the elite her husband is mm -hmm. and she's just going to continue that line the wars are going to continue um the supporting of wall street is going to continue she's going to do a lot of lip service in the black community and nothing will get done certainly just like her husband did and um i think black people need to stop worrying about all of that shit in that regard i think they should think about politics, how like Stokely uh, talked about it in the Fred Hamptons by localizing and controlling the local politics to control housing and finance and police issues, mm -hmm. but ultimately align themselves for organizational purposes and literally not be beholden to either party, be beholden to your community and your children and then do the other things we need to do, like you said, education and neighborhood police and, you know, all these other different things that could be done. There's so many that, you know, that can be done and really get out of this being a part of the spectacle because it's we're, we're part of the spectacle. No party has ever done anything for us, ever. Damn. None. Um, Damn. And uh, the ones that are present now are not going to do anything either, uh, the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. You know, if really people were trying to vote you know, for people who had common sense, I think Jill Stein would, you should at least listen to her. But, you know, the average American is going to, first, the average American thinks they choose the president. I think that's ridiculous. This, you don't choose the president. You know, it's too much on the line.
You know, it's too much money on the line. It's too much American empire interests on the line. The American uh, president, I think, is run by a small elite group of corporations, wealthy people, some not even American, foreign. Yeah. Um, and they determine who the president is going to be. And it's a joke. It's cultural entertainment for us. And I think you're going to probably get one of the lower lowest turnouts, which is going to make this thing. Think about Trump. He's paid. I, I don't know. I don't know the man, but I can't imagine that he paid a lot of money advertising. The reason why he didn't is because he's a spectacle. He's figured out that much is that in the American um, psyche, the the buffoon, the star, he he's a think about every news cycle. He's the beginning. And he's the end. Yeah. No matter how outrageous a statement, he doesn't have to. He is his own advertising. So he's changed the dynamics. And he's also shown how stupid and ignorant the American culture is and how uneducated people are Mm -hmm. with their degrees. And he's and he shook it up in that regard. And that's why. Washington is probably scrambling. But we know America is about gangsters. So the hawks are out. Like whoever wins, the Hawks are going to be in in play. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I don't think Trump would get in and we got to worry about him pressing the button because these gangsters got to make money. Yep. And he'll get his wacky ass in line just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think he can quite possibly win. You know, I think I think he's showing what's at the heart of American culture. Of course, without a doubt. Yeah. Like, look at the the white poor people in the middle of um, West Virginia and mm-hmm. these different places. There's just yeah. Trump advocates. Yeah, like, wow. and they they're not so they they don't even understand. They have more in common with black people than they do with the Wall Street types or the business types like like Trump. But they're uneducated. And America has the most money and has the most guns, but is very very slick at propaganda. You know, very the Tea Party thing or, you know, even black people with the civil rights. Movement, it's very, they know how to spin it. And um, people are uneducated and, and not that bright. And, and, uh, and you know, it's going to it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting. I want it to happen already. I'm tired of this shit. <laughs> it's, it's like it's, it's silly. It's silly, man. Yo, black people wake up. Black people. Let's stick together. Black people. We on a mission. Let's get our farmers together. Yeah. We need our black farmers. Schools, popping. farming, we need our schools, neighborhood police, neighborhood police, coding programs just, for kids. You let's know, just build up together. Arts let's programs. Just teach them the correct education. Let's teach them black history in the daycares yeah. from from the beginning of time. And man, we just need to know who we yeah, are so we can know what we do. And put with. these stars under pressure, too, man. Man, these, I, I can't put these niggas. Listen, under no, but when they when they dragging these corporations in our neighborhood. Mm. Yo, somebody, they got to be aligned somewhere. And not just the stars, the politicians, because they all work together. Yo, put them, because I do. You know what, you're right. Now that I think about that, that makes so much sense because, you know, dudes are like press rappers when they come to their town to put other rappers on. But it's like, you know what, like, nigga, if you show up over here with a sneaker from a corporation trying to promote some shit, make sure that corporation is is Where's the entrepreneurial programs? Where's the things to give kids internships, college programs? Don't just come in here and have... The single mom, single dad spend their last bit of ones because you've impressed this kid that he got to be fresh in school instead of smart in school. Yo, now nah, put these guys under pressure. Yeah. Like, yo, all this development in our neighborhoods, yo, put them under pressure. Like, that's the only way this predatory system and people that we are oppressed by are going to back up. Fact. I agree with that. Kenneth Montgomery, yo. Tax season. Thank you, Tax. 
part two. You know, we always got to bring it back to the roots and, and discuss what need to be discussed. I don't give a fuck how much ignorant shit y'all hear on this show. You know you're going to get some motherfucking jewels over here. You understand? So if you like being entertained and you like being educated at the same damn time, tell your motherfucking friends to tell a friend. Subscribe to Tax Season. Be safe, though. Kenneth Montgomery. Peace, Tax. This episode of Tax Season was produced by Jonathan Menna and executive produced by Chris Morrow. This is an official Loudspeakers Network production.